Arrowheads. Scooter. Glasses. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is random local news. This is from UPI. An unusual pair of eyeglasses, believed to be nearly 300 years old, were rescued from, wait for it, a New Zealand landfill and auctioned online for more than $5,000. Where have I heard this before? It's another antique that was taken out of a literal trash pile. We're just going to keep finding stories about this now, just like... I know. I think random ancient relic rescued from garbage. (laughs) (laughs) The Tip Shop, a store operated by the Wellington City Council for items that would have otherwise ended up in the Southern Landfill, (laughs) there's a whole store for this, um, (laughs) said that the glasses, a style known as Martin's Margins, were rescued from the trash and listed by the store on auction site Trade Me. A last minute bidding war. Uh, brought the final price to $5,282 just before the auction ended last Sunday night. Martin's margins were designed by optician Benjamin Martin in 1756. The unusual thick-framed look of the glasses results from Martin's belief that exposure to sunlight would cause damage to the eyeglass lenses. I don't know how that makes any sense, but... Okay. (laughs) Um, the tip shop said no maker's mark could be identified on the frame, so it was unclear whether the glasses sold um, at the auction were made by Martin himself. Side note, I didn't know that's what a maker's mark was until I read this article, and then I'm like, oh, that's what the whiskey is named after. Oh, wait. A maker's is mark. Is that like just any indication on a piece of art or whatever that it was made by somebody? Probably. Like a paint, like a signature on a painting, would that count? Is that a maker's mark? I don't know. I would count it. Sure. But doesn't okay. like Michelangelo. Let's, es- let's establish it here. <laughs> <Didn't>, yeah, <we're, laughs> it's a maker's mark. It's our rules. It's a maker's mark. Yeah. I thought Michelangelo like did certain stuff like that on his art, but anyway. Um yeah, I didn't know anyway, yes, I learned a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, now this this story got surprisingly like sad. Oh. At the end, um so the winning bidder Aaron Smiley said he bought the glasses as a tribute to his partner, Helen Hammond, who recently passed away. Smiley said he and Hammond would often use FaceTime to video chat, and the glasses reminded him of a screenshot he kept showing Hammond using a filter that gave her round glasses and whiskers. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. (laughs) Isn't that sad? I was not expecting that. And also, like, I don't know. Also kind kind of weirdly heartwarming. Oh. Oh, you thought it was... (laughs) It's weirdly sad, and, and it was an unexpected ending to this article yeah. here. Oh, those are ugly. <laughs> I just showed him the glasses. <laughs> they definitely don't yeah, look modern. I guess modern. I should have, qu- I should have cl- uh, clarified what I was saying looked ugly, but yeah, the glasses are um, quite I mean, odd looking. I, I don't know if it was we- struck me as weird. I thought it was like a, a memory of a fun I mean, time we shared together. It's definitely cute. It's just Maybe it's because it's like, this is how we're going to remember modern romance are you are you realizing now that like yeah and i don't like it (laughs) how do i feel about this i don't know i hadn't thought this deeply about this before i just don't want like i don't want to have like framed photos of my friends with pizza for their face or whatever (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm not ready for that you don't have (laughs) fond memories of like 
snap filters and stuff, and you're just gonna have framed pictures of yeah, like or like me as a potato. This, like, is, like, like, this is my friend Alex as a potato. <laughs> just have it hanging in my hallway. <laughs> okay, I see why that struck you as weird. Yeah, my first story is technology news. This is from Gizmodo. You can finally buy that scooter that looks like a laptop with wheels for $1,800. I hadn't Wait, heard of it either. What? So, oh, yeah. I haven't. So, not, I don't know what this is. This is like, it's, I guess I'll just describe it. Uh, this is from their perspective, I guess. We first discovered the walk car, which, first of all, terrible name. The walk car? The walk car. The word walk followed by the word car. Two words? No, same one word. Oh, smushed together. Walk car. What? Terrible name. Who came up with this? Um, but it's a stand on elect. Obviously, what kind of scooter do you not stand on? Electric powered scooter that looks like a laptop with four wheels attached. And I will show you a picture. It it looks like a MacBook. Like it looks it looks like your computer with wheels on the bottom. Mm. Um, and this was back in 2015 when they first like talked about this. Uh, this company called Coco Motors first debuted its intriguing. They call it a car alternative. It's like it's a it's a scooter. Um, <laughs> what is this? Yes, thing? it's a. I know they're talking about it too. Like, oh, you've all heard of the walk car. It's like no, I've, <laughs> what? Heard, I've never heard of the walk car before. What are you talking about? Um, so five years later, it looks like the walk car is finally available for sale for a little over eighteen hundred dollars, which is a lot for a for this thing just looking like a laptop on wheels. Uh, so unlike an electric scooter that puts all of the acceleration and braking controls on the handlebars, the walk car <laughs> cannot get over how dumb that name is. Works more <laughs> like the two wheeled hoverboards that were all the rage a while ago, except without the balancing part and hopefully the random fires. <laughs> <laughs> fun bit of a yeah. fun memory there of those things just bursting into flame yeah. randomly. So yeah, it's it's kind of like the hoverboards okay. where you control it just by like shifting your weight, or like a Segway. Yeah, like it's a Segway, like except without a, without a without handle. a handle. You're on just top. kind of on it. Okay. Um, so yeah, riders accelerate, brake, and steer by shifting their body weight back and forth and side to side. Uh, it weighs around six point four pounds, and it can hit speeds of six point two miles per hour in its normal mode, or up to ten miles per hour in its sports mode, which is like a pretty decent speed for something. I wouldn't want to be going too too fast on something I nope. don't have a grip on. No, nope. you have no grip. Yeah, yeah. But like, the, <laughs> it sounds like the whole appeal of this is that you can kind of just like slip it in a bag, and like it's very small and portable. I want to show you. Because it looks like a computer. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is what it looks like. Oh, that is smaller than I was expecting. Yeah. You look, frankly, How is that person staying balanced I, on that thing? That's the thing. It's like, I mean, it's, def- it's got more surface area than like a hoverboard does, which is good. But still, though, don't you think you would like oh, I would fall, fall backwards I would fall immediately? off of it. Also, apparently they did all their testing with somebody who weighs 130 pounds. I'm like, well, I'm going to. Definitely just okay. crush it the second I stand on it, but I, um, I just want to say that walk car is the worst it's possible so, name for that. So so stupid. But there's like we should come up with a new name for it. Uh, we should start a poll for a new name for yeah. that thing. <laughs> the first thing that came to mind was flat scooter, shortened to fluter. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's already better than walk car. <laughs> Arguably, but also it's isn't it also worse in a way? <laughs> At only, least it's only if funny. As, as long as you're the entire time that you're riding on it, it just lets out a prolonged like. <laughs> the fluter. It lets out a sound like those horns from the one. Um, what are those things called from the the World Cup that everybody had oh, that one year? Zela. Yes. <laughs> It makes that sound when you're running. <laughs> exactly. My next story is health news. This is from newscientist.com. The headline is three people with inherited diseases successfully treated with CRISPR. Remember CRISPR? Yeah. How could who who could forget CRISPR? <laughs> um, so I won't go into all the details of what CRISPR is, but um it's gene therapy, essentially. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we've talked about it in a past yeah. episode, so just listen listen to all of those. <laughs> listen to our entire backlog. To our entire and backlog, then... and then you'll find it. It's yeah. in there somewhere, I promise. <laughs> um, so two people with beta um, thalassemia. I don't know if you know what that is. This is the first time I've heard. Okay, nope. I, I, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Beta thalassemia and one person with sickle cell disease no longer require blood transfusions, which are normally used to treat severe forms of these inherited diseases after their bone marrow stem cells were gene edited with CRISPR. That is so cool. Yep. That makes sense. Well, I don't, I don't know the first one, but like sickle cell, like it is just that your like blood cells are shaped strangely, right? Right. So it would make complete sense that altering mm-hmm. like the DNA would be like what would, like just to so that they produce the correct shape of blood yeah. cell. Like, so it's it's actually it's interesting because they didn't quite do it as straightforward as that. Oh, which okay. I'll go into, but but yes, <laughs> essentially yes. Uh-huh. Um, so results of this ongoing trial, um, which is the first to use CRISPR to treat inherited genetic disorders, like in humans or at least these types of disorders, I believe. Um, the results were announced this week at a virtual meeting of the European Hematology Association. Beta thessalemia and sickle cell disease are conditions caused by mutations that affect hemoglobin, the protein that carries oxygen in red blood cells. Those with severe forms require regular blood transfusions because kind of what you were saying, it's like their cells aren't shaped correctly, so it can't um, carry oxygen correctly through your body. So mm-hmm. that's why you need a blood transfusion because your blood isn't like being effective. Okay. Um, however, a few people with the disease-causing mutations don't actually show symptoms because they um, those people, even though they actually have this disorder, their bodies are producing um, fetal hemoglobin into adulthood, which like means that there's, they don't have like the symptoms that normally that people have. Huh. Um, so most people stop producing, I guess, this fetal hemoglobin like pretty soon after you're born. But then um, I guess this was like a recent discovery that some people actually have things like sickle cell, but then they're also they have another thing that's like their body kept producing this other type of hemoglobin. Uh-huh. So it like covered it up. Oh, weird. So basically that is what inspired um, the development of these treatments where basically um, they use the CRISPR to boost fetal hemoglobin production. What they did, you know, in more detail is they removed uh, bone marrow stem cells uh, from the patients mm-hmm. Um and then disabled the gene that turns off the fetal hemoglobin production. I love that just like flipping a setting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> like, I love it. It's so oh, cool. we don't want this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So they flipped that switch so that it, it was like producing the fetal hemoglobin again. And then they actually um, gave these patients uh, chemotherapy to like remove a bunch of their 
um, bone marrow cells mm-hmm. and then replaced them with the edited ones that grew back. Whoa. So it's so cool. That is um, so cool. So they've actually treated five people so far, but I guess the results are in for three of them. Um, and those three have all, like, they don't no longer need the blood transfusions they, after getting this. Like, it worked. been cured. Yeah. Um, so one of them uh, had the treatment 15 months ago and is, like, still, it's still effective. Um, oh. Another one was nine months ago, and another one was five months ago had the treatment. So... So they've successfully Whoa. done it with three people, which is like something that I think the people researching CRISPR have been like kind of working up to this type of thing for a right. long time. So it's really exciting to see it actually working. Yeah. So that yep. is awesome. Oh, I love, that. I love that kind of thing. Yeah, it's so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, it's exciting. So yeah, definitely go read the article if you want more of the details and all the you know, specifics all on what the, exactly they the did and the science on CRISPR and everything. <laughs> but it's, it's super cool. And I just, I love hearing about this, like actually effective treatment for something that like doesn't really have a treat treatment. I mean, it's just like right. getting a blood transfusion is just like a, it's a, it's a bandaid. B- yeah, exactly. And so, this is like, a, like I said, essentially a cure. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's kind it, of not, but it is. It, it could, I mean, it, it's, it allows them to live a normal life. Right. Right. Which is awesome. Right. Ah, it's amazing. I love science. Science. My next story is also health news. This is from Slate. FDA approves first ever prescription video game. <gasps> really? Oh my gosh, that makes me so happy. Why does that make me so happy? <laughs> wow. Uh, physicians may now... Uh, prescribe Achille Interactive's software Endeavor RX, formerly known as Project Evo, uh, to children between the ages of 8 and 12 who struggle with ADHD. Wow. So it's a video game specifically developed to like help kids with ADHD. Um, the game challenges users to dodge obstacles and collect targets as they navigate icy winter wonderlands and lava rivers, guided by aliens who zip around on flying saucers. So, you know, video game. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. The developers say the game stimulates neural systems that are intrinsic to attention function. Uh, and it also features adaptive algorithms that monitor each pl- uh, patient's progress as they play, allowing for personalized treatment. So it like sees how they're doing and is able to adapt certain like variables Whoa. of the vi- environment to like help the, hmm. like, their particular case. Uh, the decision follows seven years of clinical trials. Over five wow. separate studies, researchers examined more than 600 kids to determine whether uh, the software could affect their ADHD symptoms. One study found that 30% of the children no longer had a measurable attention deficit on at least one measure of objective attention. That's a quote from them. So fancy way of saying like 30% of the children, like some aspect of their ADHD no longer manifested after playing this game um, for 25 minutes a day, five days a week for four weeks. So like after a month Hmm. of quote unquote treatment with this game, Um, which seems, I mean, for Okay. To get that benefit out of a video game versus medication or something seems pretty great. <laughs> seems preferable. Um, so according to Achille, these changes, Achille, the developer, uh, these changes persisted for up to one month following treatment with uh, Endeavor RX. The most common side effects were frustration and headache, which are quite mild compared to traditional medications. Um, oh, yeah. 
Although the study's findings bode well for the effectiveness of the game, it is important to note that it was conducted by the doctors who work for this company. So, I have questions bit at the qu- end. Yeah, a little bit of a gray area there. Um, but also, it's it feels like the kind of study where, it, like, how much can you fudge? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it's all on the level. Um, and the FDA recommends that doctors prescribe the game as a supplement to other treatments, such as therapy and medication. They like they they wanted to make very clear they're not advocating for this replacing traditional okay um, treatments. But it does sound like it was effective for some for some number of kids, which I thought was kind of cool. This is very very cool. Um, my question, not really necessarily calling into question the integrity of the company, but more <laughs> like, did they? Did the article mention them doing any tests to compare to like just a random video game, and if a random video game would have the same That's types a of good effects? question? They didn't mention it. It sounded <laughs> like they did. They, I mean, they said five studies. I don't. They didn't enumerate what they all were. Mm, Maybe yeah. one of them was involved, or one or more of them involved that. That's a really good question, though, because like, I would want to know that. There's it's probably like, <laughs> a good chance that a lot of video games would like stimulate kids in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, I think it would. Like. You know, it would like especially, N64, it would especially show Mario if, like, or something. Right. Like, how do you know that that doesn't simulate them the same way? Yeah, yeah it would especially show if the like adaptive uh, aspect of this right. has some, like some significant benefit over just them playing a game for a certain amount of time. Right, because they probably did put some thought into whatever that is, like the adaptive portion of trying to right. actually tailor certain I mean, aspects of it yeah. to Hopefully the Hopefully they put some thought into like, it. They it wasn't just like, like no. oh, here's a video game. <laughs> it should be fine. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I would be interested in seeing, like, is this really because of certain things in this game or is would any video game be beneficial of, of maybe like certain types of yeah. games be beneficial to I wonder if there's been if there's been studies just about that in general even Probably. I would totally read about that yeah. like, it's <laughs> fascinating would, yeah especially with like behavioral things something and attention related yeah. disorders like it seems like video games would be a really good way to like kind of focus and like oh yeah it's definitely because it's based and exactly goal oriented you have and, right you have goals you have to focus and mm-hmm. and kind of figure out how to achieve your goal and mm-hmm. it's also fun right uh, yeah exactly like it, and there's ma- like you know, are, there's reward mechanisms and that kind of thing yeah yeah that's a that's a really good question i kind of wish they'd gone into more detail on that honestly <laughs> now i'm <laughs> mad at the article later <laughs> Oh, if I remember, I'll look that up later because I'd like to find that out. My next story is archaeology news. (laughs) (laughs) I almost want to tell the. Can I tell the listeners about this? Yeah, if you want. I don't know how. I don't know if it's going to come across. We can cut it later if we don't like it. It's fine. So. So, okay, <laughs> when the music is playing, but after we say what type of news it is, Anthony and I do these weird little, like, dances in that time, which, but then we, like, obviously we, like, cut that. Like, you never hear that or, you know, obviously, obviously you can't see you it. Obviously you don't see it. Anyway, this time, it's just, it's just these little dances, and Anthony just, like, clenched his fists. <laughs> Anyway, I okay, cannot tell you. I on. cannot say what possessed me. It just that was my that was my dance for that was just slowly clenching my face. Uh, all right, so so you have some archaeology news, huh? Yeah, archaeology news. 
This is from gizmodo.com. Ancient bow and arrow technology dating back some 48,000 years has been discovered in a Sri Lankan cave, making it the oldest evidence of archery to be found in this part of the world. Oh, wow. Ornamental beads, tools to fashion clothes, and projectile points for bows and arrows, (laughs) which from now on I'm going to call arrowheads, even though this article called them projectile points. Like, is that maybe like a a more professor? Yeah. Is that like a maybe like a more umbrella term for different types of projectiles Projectile or something? Points, like sure, whatever. Is that technically like I guess an you could arrow call from like a, a bow bullet or like a, too, right? Like a projectile point. Would yeah. they call a bullet? I don't know. Any anything that's I'm not an flies through the air that has a I don't know point. a thesaurus. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm gonna call them arrowheads because that's what I think they are. <laughs> I mean, I uh, so um yeah, so they have been unearthed at Fahienlena. I don't know how to pronounce that. Hopefully that's right. Um, which is a cave in southwest Sri Lanka. At a maximum age of 48,000 years old, this evidence for bow and arrow technology is the oldest ever found, found in South Asia and possibly across all of Eurasia. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I'll actually go into a little bit more about that at the end. The research was published last Friday in Science Advances. Uh, working at the cave, archaeologists uncovered four distinct phases of occupation at that cave, dating from 48,000 years ago to 4,000 years ago. The, um, the uh, arrowheads were made from <laughs> animal bone and assigned a maximum age of 48,000 years old, although technically they could be as young as 34,000 years old. So I guess they were like estimating Yeah, which it. especially that so, long ago, you really can't. I don't think get more. You know, fine you know exactly right. So the the reason that that's important is like if it's on the lower end of that, or if it's on the, if it's on the older end of that, uh-huh. then that makes it even more significant. But gotcha. if it's on the younger end of it, then it's like still significant. It's, stu- it's yes. still like the oldest in that area, but not necessarily in all of Eurasia. Right? Is that yes? What exactly. They, okay. Yep. So then they kind of went into more of that, and I didn't, I'm not going to go into all the details, but sure, sure, they, sure. they like brought this article to some other experts to kind of like critique it and stuff, which I actually thought was nice. Yeah. I hey. like to see that in articles about science. <laughs> hey, peer review. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <do it. laughs> right. Um, so in total, the archaeologists uncovered 130 arrowheads. Um, and then in addition, they also found decorative beads made from mineral ochre and marine snail shells. Oh. Um, Sounds these, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, beads. Oh. Um, <laughs> these resources could not have been sourced locally, pointing to the presence of an early yet complex trading network over there. So, hmm. all right. Yeah. So it was a pretty cool find. Yeah. Wasn't it? Was it just last week we were talking about? Does everybody has found an arrowhead? <laughs> I think it was last yeah. week. These guys. That's why found I was some. excited to have a story about arrowheads. Yeah. A lot of, lot of callbacks. Yeah, episode. these guys found some. I'm like, why can't we find any? Yeah. They're, I find they're apparently like all over the place. So just. Uh. <laughs> I just want to help found one unearth history. I'm just going to start digging in my yard. Just dig. Yeah, just dig a hole mm-hmm. every. Just dig up your entire yard. My entire actually. yard, yeah. Yeah, just dig up your entire yard. Yeah. It's not that great. And so. then sift it through. <laughs> sift it through like a special like sifter mm-hmm. that you could find gold. You could find coins yeah. um there's probably gold you in could there too. find yeah you never know what's in like, let's, let's the be honest yard. there's probably gold i mean like all there's gold so many places and all people have to do is just like dig just dig up your yard it. and you'll find some so <laughs> oh my goodness what are um, we talking about yeah, i don't remember um 
they found certain materials that they thought was evidence of um, like trading in yeah. that area a long time ago, which that's was really, also that's really cool significant yeah. in this. So in that they haven't seen something like that this right. old before. Right. Cool. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. My next story is animal news. <laughs> This is from LiveScience.com. Stunningly intact giant squid washes ashore in South Africa. It was dead, but it was intact. Wait, are they usually not intact when they wash ashore? Yeah, usually by the time they wash ashore, like, they've been, like, partially died, like, eaten or something. Oh. I'll show you a picture. It's actually, it, it looks like it would just, like, fell out of the deep ocean onto the shore, which Whoa. don't think too much about that. But <laughs> uh, anyway, when a giant squid washed ashore on Golden Mile Beach in Britannia Bay, South Africa, one woman's first in- instinct was to save its life, which is very nice, but there's no way mm. a giant squid is ending up on the shore and no. it's okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, at first, I just wanted to get it back into the ocean, Adele Gross of Cape Town told live science in an email but on closer observation one could see that it was dead okay good observation from adele there uh sightings such as this one of the giant squid which is a carnivorous creature whose one foot wide eyes are the largest known in the animal kingdom i love squid facts there's gonna be a lot of squid facts in squid here. facts uh, the, hold on hold on one second their eyes are a foot a wide foot in diameter <sighs> wow they're enormous wow okay keep going um so sightings such as this one are rare and typically happen only once every few years. Um, yeah, it, apparently it wasn't until 2004 that the giant squid was first seen in its natural habitat, like the first time that we saw one in the ocean. Yeah. Um, and 2013 was the first time that video footage of one was published. So like it's very, it's very our understanding rare. of this creature is very recent too. And and just last year another crew filmed a giant squid alive for only the second time in history. Um so yeah, wow, very I rare didn't to hear see. About that. Um it's unclear how the squid died. Um after uploading a few images to social media, Gross was able to connect with Wayne Florence, who is the curator of marine invertebrates at Ezeko Museums of South Africa. Florence and his team collected the squid and are now storing it in a freezer facility until they can properly study its DNA and anatomy. And because it was just like such a great specimen, they're pretty excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, this squid in particular was about 13 feet long and probably weighed about 660 pounds, which is actually pretty small for a giant squid. Uh, females can reach up to 60 feet long. Oh, wow. So this one was like about a sixth of the size oh, wow. of the that longest is... that we know of. Giant squids are... Wow. They're giant. Yeah. So this one's eye was probably not a foot in diameter, but the 60-foot long one uh, it would be, which is, it's enormous. Yeah. Um, these massive creatures usually hang out about 2,000 feet to thirty or to 3,200 feet below the surface. Uh, when a squid, this is, I did not know this. When a squid eats, it uses its beak to bite off little pieces of the prey. I, I did know that. But the esophagus goes through the middle of the brain. Wait, what? Its esophagus, like its digestive system, passes through its brain. Where is its mouth? Uh, so it's like, like it's where all the tentacles at the bottom, at the base of the squid. Okay. Yeah, that's where like the beak is. Oh, okay. Um, so it has to bite pieces of food so that they'll be small enough to squeeze through its brain. That is so weird. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yes. But yeah, when you think about it, their whole body is in that, like, tubular thing. Yeah. So if the beak is at the bottom, like, 
theoretically, something's going to have to pass through something. Yeah, but you think it would be like at the front. It's or not something. a great design. I don't. <laughs> I would have had some notes in that <laughs> if there was a review of that. Yeah. Um, uh, one long-standing question is how many species of giant squids there are. Mm. A 2013 study found that there's just one, based on analysis of 43 tissue samples from different individuals. Hmm. So. So far, but 43 is also a pretty small sample size. Yeah. Um, the newfound squid will be the 20th in the collection at Aziku, uh, which has the largest collection of giant squids in Africa. Wow. Um, and their lar- the largest squid that they have is 30 feet long. So, which still is just enormous. <laughs> yeah. But a six, can you imagine seeing a... I just want to exist in a world where I can see a 60-foot giant squid swimming i don't know how i would be able to do that but well maybe eventually they'll have like a virtual reality simulation that has all the deep sea yeah that's true the deep sea sea creatures and you could just like pretend like you're seeing them but i I, honestly honestly i'd settle for it though that it'd be if it's realistic enough it's the same it could be close close enough. enough yeah yeah i knew that um most of our knowledge on these squids was just like them washing up on beaches and us studying that. I right. did not realize that it was rare to have like a full specimen watch mm-hmm. wash up on a beach. So that is because I mean cool. they're they're fragile creatures too because they're just kind of gelatinous. But this mm-hmm. here's a picture like it's Whoa. just a big squid on a beach. Like it's an it's all of its arms and legs are there. Like it's just right there. Yeah, it's. Just, they're so large. They're very big. Especially when you see a picture too, it kind of helps to realize yeah. how. And again, large this is they this are. is a small one, <laughs> which is which is wild because wow. it it still looks huge. Like here's a person next to it. Wow. Yeah, that's a small one. It's wow, a, it's a small one, and it's still just so much big. Like the body of it is about as tall as a person. That's incredible. I love. I mean, I think I've said it multiple times on this podcast, but I love deep sea life and the just mm-hmm. learning about that kind of thing. All right. It's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look for stories that were just posted today or just happened today and we read them to you on the fly. Projectile points. Ready, set, Go! go! Okay, my breaking news story today was actually submitted by my husband, um, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> and I'm using it for breaking news because there's a pun involved <laughs> um, with breaking news. But this is from BBC, and the headline is: Vienna police fine man uh, 500 euros for massive intestinal wind. Oh my god. Wait, 500 is that a lot, actually? I don't know. Well, it's more than $500, because euros are... Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, you could just think over $500. Okay, yeah. I don't I know have, the exact number. I don't know the conversion rate. Yeah. Um, the first line in this article is, breaking wind in public may be a, so- a social taboo, but it's not often that people face financial consequences <laughs> for it. And then it just describes how this guy, like... I don't know, I guess he was in custody of police in austria and like just was doing kind of just disrespectful things and like did this on purpose then they find him (laughs) 
So it wasn't just this. Like no. he wasn't just like walking down the street. It's like oopsie, and then then five hundred euro fine. I mean, I yeah. For if we're to believe what the authorities said, that he he intentionally. This was the the quote is looked at the officers and apparently intentionally released a massive intestinal wind in the in the immediate vicinity of the officers. Intestinal wind is worse, right? Like, that's just a worse way to say what they're trying not to say. <laughs> I've never heard it described that way. It makes me laugh so much. <laughs> Anyway, that's the whole story. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> so, what more could you possibly need? Not, yeah, not, not much. <laughs> All right, I found my story on Gamespot.com, and it might be less that I found it and more that I went looking for it because I knew it happened. But uh, <laughs> the Pokemon Company has revealed a new Pokemon Snap game for Nintendo Switch. Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Snap. Which is a. The original Pokemon Snap was an N64, or Nintendo 64 game that Alex and I are both big fans of. Yes. And, uh, uh, yeah, during a special Pokemon Presents video presentation, the Pokemon Company has revealed a brand new Pokemon game for Nintendo Switch called New Pokemon Snap, which is <laughs> not the greatest name, I'd say, but I'm, I don't really care. I'm, we're finally getting <laughs> one. Uh, I'm so excited. <laughs> the spinoff, which is based on the cult classic Nintendo 64 game, involves taking photos of Pokemon in various locales, including jungles and beaches. Uh, the original Pokemon Snap was released in 1999. Oh. Which makes it over 20 years old. <laughs> wow. <sighs> which, is, which is a lot. Um, <laughs> and it was well received by critics and fans. As well, it should be. Mm -hmm. uh, the new game is being developed by Bandai Namco Studios, uh, which has also partnered with, with Nintendo on other exclusive series, such as Super Smash Brothers. So far, there is no release date, but it's supposedly okay. coming soon. Um, for those who aren't familiar with what Pokemon Snap is, uh, I think the best com like comparison would be kind of like those shooter games in an arcade, where you're kind of this like progress through a level without you actually moving. And you like shoot things, but instead oh, of yeah. that, you're taking pictures of Pokemon doing adorable things. <laughs> yeah. So you're like your character. Totally in... very different, mechanic-wise, yeah. pretty similar. I'd say. Yeah, your character is in this like car that just goes on this track, and you can't really control. Yeah. The car. Yeah, you just it look just around, goes. and you have a camera. Yeah, you just look around with a camera, and you try to get good pictures, mm -hmm. and it's and it's like, so fun. And it like judges your pictures based on how close they are. If there's like multiple. Of like the same Pokemon in the shot, like if they're doing a fun pose, like yeah, it sounds so silly out of context, but anybody who's played it will know it is an absolute delight, and it's so much fun. Um, it's actually like one of the games that got me into video games, as Woo! weird as that is. Like it's the I saw it on a Nintendo sixty four, and I was like, I want a Nintendo sixty four now, <laughs> and I got one. <laughs> Anthony knows this story already, but. Um, I never had an N64, but I used to play Pokemon Snap on an N64 at my orthodontist's office in the waiting room <laughs> because it was my only access to Pokemon Snap. And every time I'd go to the orthodontist, I'd be like, they have Pokemon Snap here. I have to play it while I'm here. Yeah. And it's like, it so and it's such a good game for that too. Cause it's just like, you pick a course, like a beach or a tunnel or a yeah. river or whatever. And you go down this course and it takes like a couple minutes. And as you go, you just take as many pictures as you can and hope they're good. And also you have like a limited number you can take each route. 
which like means you kind of oh, have yes, to make decisions every once in a while. It's like, is that really worth getting? It's like, I already have a good picture of that one or. Yeah, yeah. You can't just like take 50 million pictures everywhere. Right. You just run out of it's your not like film. Re- it's not like real digital photography where you would just, you can just yeah. like burst mode and like pick <laughs> right, the best one. Right, right, right. You, you have, have to, to be actually strategic. Like, be, yeah, strategic with mm-hmm. what you, what you take a photo of. Yeah. Um, it's very fun. Anyway, I, I actually remember when the Switch first came out. That was one of the things I remember thinking is like, oh my goodness. Like if they released a new version of Pokemon Snap on this system, that would be mm-hmm. so awesome. Yeah. It'd be really cool if they had a mode where you like could just move the Switch around as if you were oh. like in the car and just like take pictures that way. I could I could see something cool. like that working since, it, since you don't really have to move. You just yeah. kind of look around. I could see it happening. Could yeah, has, maybe you could like it has stand. motion controls, so they could totally do it. Yeah, I don't know how they're gonna they probably won't do it that way, but maybe they will. I don't know. We don't know. We'll yeah, see. We'll, we'll see. see. So they didn't post a release date? There's no release date yet. Okay. They just said coming soon, which generally for Nintendo means like in the same year, but I wouldn't bank on it. Yeah. Well maybe they're trying to do like a twenty year anniversary release. Oh my gosh, it's been twenty years since this game came out. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hard to believe. It's really hard to believe. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Nick News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And uh, while you're there, we haven't asked in a while. Uh, what, if, what if you like you should a review? Give us, you should give us a review or just rate Just rate five us. Stars. Five stars only, please. <laughs> if, you, if you enjoyed this. Um, um, and if you didn't, then don't leave a review because we don't want that. We don't want that we negative energy don't. in our lives. The purpose of this show's <laughs> existence is to promote positive energy. Only positive so. vibes. Thank you. Positive <laughs> vibes and five stars. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash news and on Twitter at, at News. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.